0: and welcome to episode three of Snape Chat. In this show, we'll be discussing fan fiction with our guest Megs from the Care of Magical Shippers podcast. Then we have an interview with the very talented Nix, also known as My Obscure Imaginarium on Tumblr, and Dimitrovics on DeviantArt. Enjoy the show. is Snape-centric along with
1: Meg. I have fanatos right now on my discord but following everywhere else so I'll just go by that.
0: And for me. And today we're going to talk about fix. Well first let's talk a little bit about why we read fanfiction. For me it's more Snape. (laughs) (laughs) There's never enough right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because there just isn't enough of him in the series. Yeah. If it was told from his point of view it still wouldn't be enough either. So (laughs) For a lot of people, he's a comfort character, which I guess just means something you read when you're in a bad mood or whatever, if you're stressed out. Mm-hmm. You
1: have those characters that you latch on to that either you relate to or want to know more about to make you feel good. Right. Yeah.
2: Project all your issues on, you know, in a way. <laughs> so they can suffer for you, like plays of you. And they're strong characters, so uh-huh. they can take it when you can. So, you know, it's fun seeing them. <laughs> Thank
1: and you can't.
2: Okay. I like that. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> and
1: definitely for me, just with the pandemic going on and not being able to go anywhere or do anything and feeling separate from, I guess, like normal life, it's been wonderful to be able to dive into a world that we obviously know and love and want to experience more of. So being able to Find thousands of different stories about the characters that we love to make us feel safe and happy is wonderful. It's what I I love most about fan fiction. We kind of covered that a little bit on if we're feeling some kind of way, it helps pull us out of that. Or feel the opposite of what we want to be feeling, which is really great. That's
0: so true.
2: You already know this one. So it's like... <laughs> It's, yeah. it's kind of cheesy, but like, it's coming home kind of thing, right? Because you already know these characters and it's really nice.
1: And most of us are familiar for the past 20 some odd years of knowledge that we've built. So it's really easy for us to understand and feel part of something with little or as much like description or exposure to the world. We can enjoy it regardless of how much we're given and how much we give to it, which is awesome in comparison to starting completely from scratch that no one can relate to. You have to convince them of it. So that's where fan fiction is amazing. And that
2: Mm-hmm. So there's already like very established fan about how magic powers work and sometimes like you know how potions work and everything. Yeah. But some authors always like put their own spin on it.
1: And that's also what's so great about our creativity is taking that base for magic potions, like you said, and doing something with it that we never would have thought of doing. And you're just like, yes, that is exactly how it should work. That is exactly what it it should be in canon. And then we believe it. We were like, "This this is the new canon. And I'm totally down for this. And this is how magic works and how it affects things. Our minds are amazing. Just all the fans' minds and what they can build and create is fantastic. Yeah.
2: How they connect with existing lore, like, you know, the real world, like, especially the potions thing, like, you know, I, I mostly read Snape fan they have a lot of potions lore coming in, so like, how they get Bejewaar and everything. Someone actually had a, a journal, you know, where they documented it. it. It was great to, like, you know, to see the enthusiasm that people had and you know, how they really got into it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds interesting. So they made a journal of various potions from different fics, is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, uh, basically connections to the real world. Oh, Where is this thing coming okay. from? So that was really interesting because I didn't even know about the real world connection. So Rowling kind of took from the real world and adapted it for her purposes. So yeah, it, it was kind yeah, of cool definitely. to like see the connections. Mm-hmm.
0: For me, a lot of, okay, I'm not a writer. I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm only a consumer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we appreciate those too. You're yeah. just as important, <laughs> if not more so. <laughs>
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love being able to communicate with the author through comments yes. or going past, say, AO3 to knowing someone on Tumblr or Journal. Mm-hmm. It's just really nice. You can just really have a sense of community. Yeah.
1: And you realize how like we're all just normal people. It's not an us and them situation. We've come together, writers, readers, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to just be a part of the same thing as much as we might go into a server, we might see one of our favorite authors, and we're just like so starstruck. And the next thing you know, wait, they're just like me, we're just two people on the computer doing things. And now we're friends. And it's not weird. It's just easy. It's So great. I love that. We don't have that separation or hierarchy that you could see with other, quote unquote, I mean, celebrity situations of being like JK versus Sarah the fanfic, you know, fanfic
0: writer. Yeah, they're not in their ivory towers,
2: which, yeah, it's just really fun. It's amazing to see the uncensored views. Like when uh, you don't have to see them, to see your favorite author interacting with their people, you know, you're just there like watching it. Yes. (laughs) So, like, getting more
1: <laughs> I'm not creepily watching this
0: conversation.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the author should feel good about this or not, mm-hmm. but it is, it is good to see
0: it. Well, let's address the hippogriff in the room. <laughs> Smut. Oh. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I definitely... Um, yeah, I definitely... Uh, filter for explicit that's I will I'll be (laughs) I'll be 100% (laughs) (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I I don't read it that much at all I tried to separate myself from it I prefer reading just
3: romance or like fluff stuff with ships none of that (laughs) no thank you
0: that's the great thing about AO3 You you can yeah filter for all that stuff in or in or out there is a the problem with PWP, which I guess is supposed to mean porn without plot, but uh, sometimes it means porn with plot or plot what plot? And <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, usually porn without plot or plot what plot? At first, somehow I read it as porn without pity.
1: That's also fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> much.
2: <laughs> okay. I had to think about that. What what is porn without, without pity? pity. <laughs> I think what it's
1: you like you don't you don't feel bad about what you put the have put the characters into I guess
0: I think so it's do you feel bad about it yeah or the writer doesn't take pity on the reader exactly It's like hey you're you're here you yeah. made this yeah. one, so. so you're gonna have to read this and clean your eyeballs later <laughs>
2: I'm gonna read this yeah
1: yeah and something I think we wanted to talk about was like the emotional connection we have to the characters and oh, how yes. we, we want them to feel love or affection or obviously sexual desire that we want to be a part of and be exposed to because we care and have invested ourselves in them. We know them. It's, so it's something comfortable, but also really sexy. <laughs> Yeah, I read a lot of fanfic with my comfort characters where they're not yeah. dead, so that is always <laughs> a plus. <laughs> That's that is also mm-hmm. good.
2: Yeah, I love the fix-it. They're being happy and having sexy times, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> the Harry Potter fandom is kind of like, uh, you know, uh, it's it's kind of vanilla, you know, about porn, to be honest. Like considering the things that could happen like in canon Hagrid, you know, Hagrid's situation. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So,
2: you know, there, there's a lot of things that could be happening, but oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, people are, like very <laughs> conservative about it, they're like very violent about it, you know. So I I do like uh, okay. <laughs> you know, mediation type of things. In <laughs> fact, because it, it goes well with Snape. We talked
0: about reading and writing both actually. Um I see that writing is pretty therapeutic for the writer.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely. Yeah, I know for me, I went through a pretty, you know, being stuck at home under lockdown, I definitely went through a big depressive period. And fanfic writing definitely kind of pulled me out of that and made me feel happy feeling for the first time in like a long time. So it's definitely been kind of a self healing thing, because I know going into it, I can come out feeling the way I want to feel, which is
2: Wonderful. I think like, uh, you still lean a lot of internal strength to like you know and confidence to actually like share the stories but it is it is pretty nice think about I daydream about it but I don't write it out but it, it is still nice like daydreaming about you know scenarios or something that just that can pull me out of the headspace that I could be in so that is good that does sound good
1: oh yeah even when I'm at work I'm thinking about fan fiction so <laughs> 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 all-encompassing
2: yeah sometimes even by dreaming about it you know you you still think about it you get dreams about it you know you're in the fanfiction world that you created
1: oh yes (laughs) i think i definitely i'm like did i read that did i write that or did
2: i dream it and the reader is subjected to it without pity
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. yes, exactly. No pity. Yes, strap mm-hmm. in. It's so great with fan fiction to be able to take the world and pull the problems of it that we have seen throughout the series that we wish could be different. And with fan fiction, we can do that. So we can either change things to be what we want it to be or add kind of what we talked about I mean, earlier, I think with from the state perspective, is we don't see a lot of its head space. If you don't, there are characters we don't know what's going on behind the scenes and we're we're able to explore that and invest deeper into those comfort characters, which is super great. Um, it gives us more of what we want. And then there's endless amounts of that.
2: Putting the character through fanfic, putting them in different situations. Sometimes it's kind of controversial, I think. Many people don't like a complete AU's to native universes. But I love them because it puts the character in a completely different scenario. And if an uh, author actually tries to like think of how this character would act there in this situation how the character would feel about this situation or how he would react so that's kind of you know it it leads to very good exploration of characterizations it just makes me feel you know more in love with the characters that i already love
1: Yeah, because that's kind of a, it's a balance between the taking something we know and something new and meshing them together. So even though we're not coming up with something completely unique and different, we're taking something we know, like the characters we love and putting them into a new situation. So it gives us that ability to be extremely creative while having a basis to feel comfortable to start with, yeah.
2: This, this is very apparent in crossovers
1: Yeah, I'm definitely one of those like magical world only people. Like AU's, like I'll do like epilogue, what epilogue stuff. Like obviously I don't the way things ended. I, other than giving us more characters to play with, it's not <laughs> my cup of tea. But I love sticking to the world itself, just because like we talked about, I'm really comfortable with it. I feel like I know a lot about it, so I feel confident and makes me feel good to feel like I'm. An expert. You know, we all feel that way. We can't help but feel like we really know what we're doing and giving, which gives us all that kind of boost and is really nice.
0: So it makes me feel even more jealous of you writers. (laughs) Well, not not jealous, but in awe of.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I think yeah something else we wanted to talk about was, um, even from the reader's perspective, is how important not only kudos, but comments are, how much it validates us and makes us feel like what we made is like seen and appreciated, because most of us put so much time and love and energy into something. And for someone to come back and be like, oh, my gosh, I loved this. It's just, it's amazing to pull open AO3 and see three, you know, even if it's just like three in your inbox, two like, oh my gosh, what did people say?
0: (laughs) It's so, it's
1: so, so, it's one thing to be like to read through or go through the first chapter if it's a multi-chapter fic and click kudos, like that could mean anything. But when you leave comments, that is probably the most powerful thing you can do for a writer to make us feel amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was my experience and probably many others is not knowing what to say. Mm -hmm. but I know even saying just oh I loved it Mm -hmm. is good good yeah
1: yeah. I love it or like thanks for making this or anything like that a a heart emoji I'm down for anything (laughs) that makes it more
2: expressive right (laughs) but I I feel like more lovely chapter or something okay just two words you know that kind of like Mm -hmm you know the author wrote uh, uh, a 3k word you know long fic for you a chapter for you and then you just you know, write two words i'm always like because i mostly used to write two words like if i'm reading a long uh you know multi chapter fic then uh you know i'll be clicking through the chapters quick. so <laughs> you know I, I just want to get to the next chapter but then i feel guilty about not appropriately commenting on that so <laughs> like okay
1: I know, because I download, I download everything. So I'm oh. reading it like in my <laughs> iBooks. Um, so I'm just literally reading until I get to the very end. And then I'm like, oh, I need to go back and comment. And of course, I feel bad because I know that there's moments in different chapters that you're just like, oh my gosh, that was so mean for the for the author to do. Or that was the cutest thing ever. But And you forget, you forget how you felt in the moment. And I feel so bad about right. that. So I try and be better about it. It's like, oh, I'm at the end of the chapter. How did it make me feel? I have a link to the story. Go take care of that because I know I appreciate it. There's a feature.
2: It. And I think whatpad is the only story that actually has a feature where you can comment on specific lines. Like you're reading a fic and you can just, yeah, select and like oh. comment on a specific part that you like. So it's it's awesome. <laughs> I don't read and watch.
1: So kind of like Google Docs. Yeah yeah
2: yeah thing. it's it's amazing <laughs> yeah i think cool. it, it'll, it'll lead to more uh atomicized reviewing but at least you know because there's some things that i really like you know even in a say uh, a 3k word chapter i'll forget most of the stuff uh you know as i come down you know especially if a lot of things are happening in the chapter so you yeah know, I, I want to be able to like save it so, like one way is to do the uh <laughs> to keep saving and you know in a different tab and uh, going back to the chapter but that is like too disruptive for me so i would really like if feature like that you know what that in that respect is awesome it is really nice when an author replies to you like if they put pull... <laughs> So, like, yeah. if, if they posted the chapter in, say, 2016, and, you know, many flicks are not that, or, like, the many ships are not that popular. You know, many ships or many genres are not that popular. So, like, I, I read those genres. So, you know, the will be flicks where there's been no comment since uh, 2016 or something. So, it's, it's, like, incredibly sad looking. That's why I feel even more, you know, <laughs> I, I feel more obligated to actually do it. Yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, it's just incredible to, like, see how it affects the authors it came back to the story and like so happy to see your comments and mm-hmm. their comment makes you happy so it's like a feedback loop of happiness
0: exactly mm-hmm. and it's such a small way to give back to people who go to the effort of writing and the courage to put it out yeah for people to see
1: it's definitely there's a, an extent of vulnerability in it which yeah is
0: a huge part of it for sure right We haven't plugged your podcast yet, Pair of Magical Shippers. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to say something.
1: So I'm Megs, obviously. I come from my own podcast. Of Magical Shippers, which is all about the Harry Potter shipping culture. So each episode, for the most part, is we pick a different ship and we unpack it and we talk about where it came from, why we love it, why people write it and read it. And it's a lot of fun. So it gets us into especially some of the rare stuff that some people are really about but don't get enough exposure to it. And if I don't like something or my co host doesn't like something, we go in and dive into it. And then all of a sudden we come out. Oh my gosh, I shipped this so hard. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun to uh, get out of. We obviously have like our OTPs and to pull out and look into other people's OTPs is huge. And being able to celebrate everyone is a lot of fun. It's been a great journey and project to move forward with for sure.
0: Oh, that's great. And you, do you come up bi-weekly? Yes. Weekly, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's, trying to
2: do monthly. Bi weekly is like, oh, <laughs> that's that, that's very fast.
1: <laughs> I know weekly would never happen, <laughs> no way. Weekly would
0: ever happen.
2: It is not supposed to cause you stress, right? If, if, if you did it weekly, then it could cause stress. I this. there's just so much to discuss that if even if you did decide to do it weekly, that then you could probably do it, but <laughs> you'll have to get a lot of people. <laughs> Very, very
1: enthusiastic people. I would lose my mind. <laughs> so much. So, I mean, it's a lot of work. It's amazing. I love it. I wish I could get more content out quicker. There's just there's no way. So I'm sorry, everyone. You'll get
0: it. It'll just take it <laughs> just take time. Oh, for goodness sake, don't apologize. <laughs> I think bi weekly is wonderful. Yeah.
2: What is the weirdest pairing that you've learned in your uh, podcast? Oh,
0: in the podcast, so far we did the
1: Golden Trio, and then next one will be Tamari, <clears throat> which I didn't know I would like, and I love it. <laughs> And then we did Linny, so Luna and Jimmy. Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. We're going to do Arthur and Molly. So we want to look at like them when they were younger and how, you know, they met and things like that. And then them growing as a couple together, which oh, I think man. is fun. Because we don't really think about like the older characters, established relationships. Like they were young. They were in love. They started somewhere. So that was really cool.
2: they are still in love. Mm-hmm. yeah this look pretty good
1: mm-hmm. we're gonna do i mean I, we have to actually actually today nathan and i are meeting to sit down to discuss what we want like kind of the ships that we want to focus on so that'll be we'll know more <laughs> later today but those are what we have recorded so far and then wolfstar is going to be our first like big ship which i call a cruise ship because it's <laughs> so big <laughs> And but then obviously I mean Snares on the agenda, but I didn't want to throw too many big ships at us at once. I think that we getting some smaller, rare stuff is really important too. Like we had some fans of the Black Sisters and back in the Marauders Marauders era, looking at Narcissa, Bellatrix, um the McKinnons, things like that that I never would have considered, which was really fun to learn more about. So it's all these characters that we might have heard a name or We just, with research, we figure out existed and being able to read and see those come forward is super fun. So I'm always learning. It's just amazing when people are like, what about this? I'm like, that's the thing? All right, let's look at it.
0: (laughs) How do you learn about some of these rare pairs?
1: Well, usually we have a Discord, which is essentially for research. So people help with, usually they are like, this is a ship I really like. So they'll either recommend a fic that they have read, or we have discussions as far as like headcanons and what people love to see if and when they come across fics like that. So it really just depends on who we interact with. Um, Because obviously we get excited about something when you're excited about something, which makes a huge difference. And then I've done some rare pair like Writing Fest, which is also really cool to see the different pairings that people have pitched or come up with or wrote. Uh, So it's just it's fun. You, it's it, if you look for it, it's there. You just wouldn't think to look for it, especially if you have like I had, you know, Dreary and Snarry, were like my two comfortable, my little box of fanfics that I loved. And then doing this project, it's just amazing. Now I have no, I'm, I can't keep up with anything. I love so many things now. It's, it's
0: insane. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed just with Snape.
1: I know. Well, yes, that too. I mean, that's the thing. There's so much in one, most ships. I mean, there's, there's still a lot, even in rare ones. It, there's opportunity to, yeah, cause a friend of mine, we, we have some like rare, like next gen pairs that don't have much like maybe have like a 100 sick, and so we're like okay we're gonna carry this ship (laughs) this is our ship now we're gonna write all the sick, which I haven't been but they've been doing great with it so that's yeah but ultimately no ship is better than another we all like what we like we all read what we read and whatever we enjoy that makes us feel good do it read it write it it's all about you
2: (laughs) yes especially the characters that are not fleshed out so like Fan has made really good characterizations of them like the uh, I think McKinnons McKinnons have some good characterizations You know, I think an, also like very consistent yeah. kind of ca- a characterization in all the Marauder effects and you know, da- Daphne Greengrass <laughs> so like she's a famous one <laughs> no we know nothing about her in cast
1: it's really actually yes when Daphne gets plugged in there I feel like a lot of times it's almost it can be kind of a joke it's like oh yeah there's the other green grass sister like yeah she's here too
2: Like I've I've heard her referred to as female Draco. Uh, she's basically the female kind of like more modern wow, version of Draco I that like people that. have made up. So it, it's good though. Like. Her background character is very consistent throughout the film. Like people just decided on this that she she's going to be a, a neutral Slytherin and you know it's kind of a uh, kind of a centrist. You know she won't be involved in you know whatever is happening, but she'll be from an aristocratic family. You know it's it's kind of cool. <laughs> and they explore how you that mostly. Um, And yeah, so like the next gen characters that we said, uh, they also have the same thing. But at least now, because of course as a child, we kind of had more characterizations of them. Like, you know, how are they going to be? I don't know if you consider it mm-hmm. kind of... And that's
1: something with Thick as we read a lot of the same things or especially for characters that we don't know much about we find ourselves characterizing them in a certain way and then all Thick kind of follow that personality trait even though in the books give us nothing but if we're obsessed about a character enough and are exposed to it we believe a certain like personality or trait for someone and it's, it's neat to see that translated through a ton of different avenues like random Thicks that all all of a sudden, we're all like, "Yeah, that's who that person is." Duh. So that's really cool to see how we we essentially, as fans, we created a character. We were given a name, and we made a character, and this is who they are, and that's amazing.
2: Yeah, we influence the character through through the portrayal that's in the media that we we see consuming this is actually also what happened with Luna Luna Lovegood because I don't know the actress is Ivana name. Lynch yeah Ivana Lynch yeah so Ivana Lynch's portrayal of Luna in, you know, in the movies that kind of influenced J.K. Uh, J.K. Rowling's characterization of her in the later books like characterization kind of shifts in the later books that's because of J.K. Rowling herself being influenced because she saw Ivana Lynch as yeah. Luna. there's
1: a lot of the characters from the movies I don't necessarily picture or think of of them as the characters as I read or write, but yeah, as far as Luna goes, she is Luna. When I think of Luna, she is Luna, hands That's down.
0: True. How do you picture Snape?
1: Okay, so, <laughs> so he is like, I don't know, I just think of, okay, so do you, have either of you watched Invader Zim?
0: Oh, uh, not for... No? Yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, I see him as really like a tall, skinny, like awkward, lanky character, which of course like you know, he feels like his hook nose, long hair. Um, but really, it's just kind of like that really tall, menacing like looms over you. Snape versus like Alan Rickman seems like kind of average adult. Like I've he's he's handsome and fun, and I love him. But I want someone who's gonna look down at me and scare the hell out <laughs> of me. I just- I just picture there's the teacher in Invader Zim. So for people who are listening and know Invader Zim, she's like kind of she's really tall and kinda of, and looms over everybody and it's I kind of picture that would be a cartoon version of Snape. But ultimately really tall, very intimidating, but also, you know, hot in his own way.
0: <laughs> you know, just describing him now. I, I heard or I pictured Joey Ramone because he's tall and skinny and he, mm-hmm. he does have a big nose. I never really sometimes I, i've pictured him as ed gwynn was herman munster oh just yeah he was tall and lanky, and he was also in pet cemetery if you re, if you've seen that the original oh no i'm i'm not a horror movie person <laughs> at at all. Song, we all have our things
2: <laughs> I mostly picture him as, um, as an anime character like <laughs> I have an anime movie running in my head because it, it makes it, it it just makes it easier to like picture all the magic stuff because you know can, you can do anything in anime so <laughs> I, I just have that thing
1: oh okay I found him so I know for a lot
0: of especially in the scenario community Adrian Brody oh. is like everyone's yeah, favorite yeah yeah what, what definitely is? in scenario some people say Adam Driver, but I think I he's do. too massive.
1: No, myself. no, yes, that's no. the thing. If, if Snape was like tall but also buff, yeah. <laughs> but I do. Yeah. I see him. Like I see, he's definitely a head cannon if he was not so. Yeah, Kylo Renny. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. But I see him and then, oh gosh, what's his name? Who plays Loki in, in the Marvel movies. Oh, Tom me. Yes, even though his nose isn't obviously big enough. When I, when I think of Loki, I also picture Snape because of the long black hair. I just, I don't know. That's my nerd coming out. I'm like, yeah, Kylo Ren, Loki, <laughs> Severus Snape. <laughs> all the same person.
2: Loki would totally be sorted and Slytherin. You know, i cunning.
1: And they're all the quote unquote villains you know, of their own stories. So they're all very yeah. I love them so much. I love villains. I just love villains. I love the guys we're supposed to hate and especially in fanfic teach you how to love them. Like they deserve to be loved and they are human. They have emotions. They have feelings. So it kind of cuts down the barrier of just seeing them as especially with Snape. A lot of people look and read the stories and just see him as face value as like oh he's super mean. He's abusive to kids. Yeah blah blah. But once you figure out his headspace you know in the background and when he was younger the bullying and everything he went through it's just interesting to to dive into why characters become the way they are like they're most of them unless it's obviously there's reasons why someone would just be mean no matter what but to be able to figure out why the bitterness or why the behaviors came to be I I love learning more about that especially in fan fiction
2: yeah with villains like you said it's kind of like this something that happened to make them a villain. like loki was not a villain for uh you know he figured out that odin was he didn't consider him a son like he was not odin's son so he thought that odin right. didn't con- actually consider him so like that's when he like snapped and uh snape kind of snapped <laughs> snape kind of snapped when uh I think it was a very gradual process to be honest. Like, you know, Snape was at his lowest in the uh, in the Dumbledore scene, in the hilltop scene. So his life kind of led him there, you know, because he was he was kind of yeah. a sweet kid, you know, all things considered. So <laughs> it's it's kind of like I uh, mean
1: Lily wouldn't like you think of how sweet Lily obviously probably was, and it's not like she would latch on to someone who was, you know, like a mean, terrible kid. I mean, he definitely was, you know, young and vulnerable, terrible home life and going to school and just essentially think about seven years of bullying and abuse from a group of kids and being alienated in such a way for him to come come out of that. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't blame him for wanting to get into something like the death eaters or following Baltimore because he will, you know, give you, it makes you think like you're important and you're quote unquote, probably like better than certain people. And I'm sure that built him up in a way to feel like he wanted to feel important. And then realized along the way it wasn't what he thought it was going to be. But then of course he was trapped into a future, whatever the reasons why. Essentially latching onto Dumbledore and what Dumbledore wanted him to do, and his life wasn't his own. Like you think about his entire life up until the end, it was not he. It was not his own path. He was pushed into various paths, and that's probably one of the most tragic things about his character is he never got to really live.
2: That's one of the best things that about Snape fan fiction, actually. Like, they, they give him a choice, finally gets a choice in his own fate. But in a way, like, going to Dumbledore was his only choice that he actually like, made. Or, yeah, uh, it's, it's kind of like completely like out of the left field kind of thing. Because Lily had already left him. So there's no hope for him. Like, he's not right. going to get anything from there. But he still did because she, she had been his friend and everything. So, went out of his way and almost. It, in a time where people got killed because of being Death Eaters. And he went to Dumbledore, the, the General of the Light, who knew that he was a Death Eater now. He'd, he'd already, like, heard the prophecy and everything. So that was kind of a ballsy move. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, because he could have shown up in front of Dumbledore. And for any and all reasons, if it was any other member of the Order of the Phoenix, guaranteed Snape would be dead, if you think about it. Like, if he showed up at Dumbledore and he was just like, Why are you here? Why should I care? And But at least he gave him the opportunity.
2: And Snape definitely, uh, he fully expected to get killed. So, like his words are, don't kill me. Yeah, <laughs> so.
1: yeah, yeah. Please don't.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I
0: come in peace. i yeah. yeah. sure <laughs> Dumbledore could just see what he could get out of Snape. Why was this Death theater showing up?
1: Yes. Oh, he was definitely
2: a tool. I don't think he ever expected Snape to like sure. to feel that way. Like even to feel so strongly. I think uh, Dumbledore was kind of prejudiced towards Death Eaters. (laughs) Like, uh, it's not that Death Eaters can't feel, or, you know, bad people can't feel love or something. Dumbledore's line has always been that Death Eaters, uh, like bad people, they don't have feelings or they don't show remorse but you know we we do see people that yeah we we do see the quintessentially bad people like you you know big amounts of love so like the Malfoy family you know they love each other totally love each other yeah
1: they're like the only family we actually get to see that vulnerable side we just we see Lucius as like hard and unloving and then toward the end that all they care about is Draco's safety and for whatever reason and so you know that each of those members of Death Eaters for the most part they have their families and they feel and like anyone when you have what you believe in you think what you're doing is right and probably best for your family so it's just yeah doesn't mean it's the right choice obviously but
2: yeah, but it does make it more understandable. So, like, you know, if, if you change, so that's what makes it good, right? So, like, villains are much more interesting to see in fan fiction because these are, like, on the inside, they're good people. <laughs> they could be good people. There was a p- potential that potential there at some point. So, for, say, Loki, you just, you just take him out of... You just assure him that Odin loves him. Odin does something to, like, make sure that Loki knows. So Loki will develop in a very different way than Cam. So, yeah, same for Snape. So, like, you, you take away his, a- anything, like, poor background, maybe. Give him some new friends. Maybe sort him to a different house. It will just develop much more different that again very interesting
1: yeah when I'm reading Snape I definitely love the like angsty hurt type of things because you know you get not only his vulnerability but also his like self-loathing and feeling like he doesn't deserve love or anyone's affection and you just you're rooting for him the whole time you're just like come on man come on you know? <laughs> they're they're giving it to you willingly don't think that it's there's no like back like there's no plot words to come at you and it's just it's oh I love seeing him grow and finally having that resolution to find his place, especially romantically with someone. I I love that. And for me, it's usually obviously usually scary. And I just love seeing him from a point of view of his mind, everything emotionally that he's going through, that trials and tribulations before we get that ultimate happy ending. And I just oh, I love it. I could eat I could eat it all day long. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think you're reading a different kind of Snape paper. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that, uh, so like I, I read sympathetic magic, and you know, then the many uh, love stories, and most of yeah. them are like angsty, very angsty. <laughs> so you know, ev- everything bad that oh, can sure. happen, it will happen to Snape. there's this it's element inevitable. of. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. In in one of the fanfics, there was actually a scene where Snape did something to Lily. Like, Lily was, you know, she was ready to, like, forgive him and everything, and she was, like, trusting him. So Snape said, just close your eyes, and Lily was, like, conflicted, but she ultimately closed her eyes. And then, there was this kid who just came in and flicked a cauldron on Lily's head, you know, (laughs) and it was Uh, a snittering kid, so Snape couldn't snitch on him. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. (laughs) It is. It is. Hilarious. So like, <laughs> nothing good can happen. Like Snape, <laughs> people have seen this. <laughs> we like seeing him suffer. Like as much as we like him doing good. So like ultimately, it should be good. But in in the meanwhile, like it can mm-hmm. be bad. I like angsty <laughs> stuff so I good. have
0: <laughs> this belief that a happy ending should not be guaranteed. Oh, you're cruel. <laughs> I'm cruel to myself. No,
1: that's. I'm brutal. not writing that. Yes, I know. Yeah. That's very. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what I'm thinking yeah. when I'm reading this so. no. I'm
1: like, oh no. Oh gosh, that would oof. That hurts my chest. Oh. Just thinking about it. I need to know that this is uh-huh. gonna end up okay. <laughs>
2: I don't know. I think most of it does, but it can be bad. And <laughs> it is the quintessential Snape fan, you know? <laughs> she but... wants good things for Snape, but <laughs> she does want to see him suffer a little bit. That's how we grow, isn't it? Through suffering.
0: Yes, Technically.
2: Yeah, especially like seeing the characters suffer. <laughs> Not me. Just just let the characters suffer. <laughs> you know, he he's strong. Mm-hmm. He can he can take he's it. Good, strong <laughs> shoulders.
0: <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to bring up before we close was I wanted to talk a little bit about how to search for stories on AO3. Mm-hmm. It's really a wonderful system they have and I just want to bring it up here real quick. What is it?
1: I think it's on Tumblr, AO3 comments of the day.
0: Oh, yes. At
1: Tumblr.com. But they just give you a random tip and trick for using AO3, which is absolutely amazing. Half the time I'm like, what? That's a thing you can do? Which is awesome. So other than obviously the obvious things of the filter system that you can do, I want this fan, I want this pairing, but I also don't want this pairing, or I do want crossovers, or I I want finished fix. It gives you a lot of power to find, not necessarily exactly what you want, because it will give you a ton of what you want most of the time, but at least in the realm of what you want to read, you're kind of just like, okay, now I'm going to close my eyes and pick because (laughs) there's just so much. Yeah. (laughs) Which isn't always the case, depending on the pairing or what you like to read. But the rating, I guess, Mm -hmm. is
0: also, do you want to explicit or you don't? Right, for sure.
2: I always want to Oh,
0: Severitis is, there's relationships. Severitis is probably the most common. That is, there's no romantic pairing. Right. Uh, Snape either adopts or has has care of, yeah, right, of
2: Harry. It's so got Severitis or something, right? Uh, the biological father, like, they have two different names.
0: The biological father. Of, Severitis. Yeah. And then Severitis is mentoring. Severitis.
1: Sevitis, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, Severus is adopt and Severitis is biological, but often people tag for Severitis. So, Severus isn't used very often. I mean, it technically exists, but it's kind of like I know what it is, but I feel like the average person doesn't know what it is. So, but yeah, I love that too. Cause that's also a thing to see um, how Severus would be kind of in like a paternal like role, like how he would be raising any sort of child and how he responds to why he adopts Harry or discovering he's his child. Like I love thinking about him discovering the situation that he's put into with the Dursleys and being completely pissed off with Dumbledore and being like, (laughs) fuck this. I'm going to go. and I'm taking him. I will raise him. This is Lily's son. Like, what are you doing? Crazy old man. So.
0: Have you read That Awful Boy? No. I know, that's that's a big one. We haven't really talked about specific stories, but That Awful Boy by Perikasim is very good. And it's got a little bit of snooping in it, too. Oh.
2: Yeah. I've read in care of like it's an Anne Snape story. And so Snape drops in Harry's backyard, and like he, uh, he's taken care of by Harry, and that's how he you know, learns the situation on those days. So that's that's a great one.
1: We'll have to make a list and put it in the in the description because I I haven't heard of these. I want to read them. <laughs>
2: Yeah, let, yeah,
0: we'll link that in the notes. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to call them the extras because they call the little blurb show notes. Mm-hmm. If we go to extras, then we can put all the art and um, and links and all sorts of stuff. So, okay. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for joining us.
1: Yeah. Thanks for it's having
0: nice. me. This has been fun. Oh, it was. Care of magical shippers. Yeah, yeah Did a <laughs> lot of care here, I hope. <laughs> a
1: lot of care. A lot of hearing.
0: It's really funny. They do a job. Okay. Um, I'm going to stop recording now. So Until next time. <laughs> Thanks to Megs, Fermin, and Fallen for their participation. In the future, we will have more focus segments with specific pairings. Some of the flicks that we will talk about have explicit ratings, which is why this podcast is also rated explicit. That, and we may drop the occasional F-bomb. Now, let's listen to my interview with the wonderful Nix, discussing her art and Snape. This is Snape Centric, and we are talking with Nix, who's on Tumblr as My Obscure Imaginarium and Deviant Art as Dimitri Vicks. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Okay. So yeah, I'm Nix. Oh, I go by Nix Online and I am 22 years old and I live in a small town in Denmark. And yeah, I draw almost exclusively Professor Snape. And when I'm not drawing, I'm studying to get a master's degree in digital design, which has nothing to do with digital art or graphic design, uh, regretfully. It's just uh, designing interactive artifacts in general. And then I have a small job as a tech support in a rather boring company. That's good. So, oh gosh, you said a master's? Yeah, a master's degree. You're a postgraduate. Exactly. I'm almost finished, so <laughs> it's kind of scary. At least things are starting to be more normal now. Yeah, yeah. I can't return to uni yet, but hopefully soon. What brought you to the world of Harry Potter? I th- I think i was 11 when i started reading the books so so the fo- final book was out by then and all of my friends at the time had also read the books so we obsessed over it together we role-played and wrote fan fiction before we knew there was anything uh, such as fan fiction and it just stuck with me i guess i love the law now one could easily discuss whether or not the law in harry potter is any good but at the time i really adored reading something with rules in universe history family trees they so always something new to learn and obsess over so it's definitely my my special interest or hyper fixation.
0: Have you always been a Snape fan, or?
3: Yeah, I, I think I have. I, I think I gravitated towards Bellatrix in the beginning, but uh, then I I went for Snape in the end. And I, I think why I like him is it's probably just because it's the type of character I like in general. And um, with a very very few exceptions, I've never read a book or, or seen a movie where I enjoyed the classic hero or good guy. Uh, I generally dislike them. Actually, um, I find it very difficult to sympathize with them. I don't know what that says about me, but just everything I love in a fictional character, I can find in the character of Snape. So a very nuanced, grey character with a backstory to explore. Yes, yes, I, I agree. What do you like best about him? Yeah, this was a very difficult question because uh, sometimes we just like stuff because we like them. So it was, it was nice to explore why I spent so much time on this character. But I think f- first of all, he's fun to read because of his wit He's very sarcastic and uh, he has a dry sense of humor. So he's just fun. I also like that he isn't a traditionally good person and that he's, well aware, he's aware of that. But he doesn't let that prevent him from still being brilliant and brave. Uh, so I think that's a very nice character trait. So true. I'm also fascinated by the fact that there's so little known about him in Canon. He's one of the, I don't know, main characters. he's He's one of the characters who's a big part of the series, but we know very little about him, which makes the possibilities endless. So I said he had a backstory to explore, but very vague. They hint to his home life growing up. They hint to his social standing as a student, hints to his role as a spy and death eater, but nothing concrete. And that makes him a very versatile character with multiple roles. So you could uh, see him and write him or draw him as a young, scared boy or insecure teenager or angsty young man or a brilliant professor, a powerful wizard. Just the possibilities are endless and they're all within the bounds of canon. So the point is you can keep exploring new facets of his character. That's brilliant. And that, that can be done through Tumblr, of course, all the content created on Tumblr. So it's just an endless stream of new content to obsess over. Oh, there certainly is. Thankfully. Are you self-taught? Yes, I am entirely self-taught. I do like to look at online tutorials because I think it's important to do, but I don't really follow them. I just look try to use them as inspiration. And I did contemplate studying studying art, but uh, when I had to decide on what to study, I was nowhere near as comfortable with my art as I am now. And I still occasionally regret not pursuing art, though I'm pretty certain that studying it would take the fun out of it for me. So it's probably for the best. They probably wouldn't let me keep drawing Snape, so wouldn't be as fun. Oh, I understand. I know you work in digital. What other mediums do you work in? I almost exclusively work in digital. I studied digital design, as a set, so I'm naturally very fascinated by the possibilities of technology and IT. All the other mediums I use is to aid me with digital art. So I'll, for example, I'll sketch almost all of my drawings on paper before moving to my tablet, but it's just to explore what I'm going to draw on my tablet. So the composition and I'll write small notes and dot down a few colors. And I have tried oil and acrylic paints, but that was many years ago. I should definitely try to do it again because it would be cool to be one of those artists with a big repertoire of skills to draw on. But but I am currently working on something with programming, if one could call that a medium. It's just a small dress-up game with Snape, which is like a sil- silly fun project, <laughs> like a character creator from video games. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, um, I can't draw clothes, or I'm not very good at it at least, so it will probably take some time, but I'll hopefully get it done. You're
0: so good with everything. I'm sure that
3: that'll be a challenge that you'll come through with flying colors. <laughs> Thank you. But but really, is if anyone is interested, you're more than welcome to send ideas for what to make him wear, silly things to add to the game. That uh-huh. would be a lot of fun. Oh, yes. How long does an average piece take you to complete I definitely think I spent way too much time on a drawing. I I feel like I could do it quicker and I actively try to do it quicker. I think I spent eight to 20 hours depending on the piece. So I I have this drawing of Snape wearing some funky glasses that took, I think it took eight hours. And then a recent drawing I did where a little Severus is laying in his bed took 13 hours and that is without the preliminary sketches which also takes a lot of time but okay I'm actively trying to work quicker because I I think it's a great skill to have as an artist Uh, so not obsess over small or unimportant details you know if you zoom in really close you can see all the mistakes but I I just try not to zoom in anymore and try to overcome the stupid fear of posting something unfinished or bad.
0: Yeah, I think artists tend to be more perfectionist than their audience
3: often. Definitely just because you know every little, yeah. Yeah, that's probably a bad part of digital art. It's possible to zoom in and see all the mistakes. Can't really do that when you're just drawing on paper. That's true. But I also enjoy the slow process of making a drawing come to life. So it, it can be a huge project for me. I, I write, um I don't know if you can call it matter or just notes about the piece. Uh, so what I want to convey and the text I add to my drawings on Tumblr, I often like to, to write a small story or something to go along with it. That's based on the stories I write write to help me with the drawing so I am in a way illustrating my own fan fictions
0: oh that's cool
3: yeah just I, I also write but I prefer to make small I wouldn't call it comics because it's only one picture but just stories through one picture
0: that sounds good I've really enjoyed some of the things that you've posted along with your art they're really enjoyable
3: <laughs> thank you I, I use a lot of time writing it so I'm I'm very glad to hear that
0: I love your use of color. You have these unexpected shades in the faces. How do you come to make those choices, I guess, in your style?
3: That's again a very difficult question because it's about my style and I. you don't really know why you like to write or talk in a certain way, you just do it but looking at the art I had been exposed to, I can see some parallels so, so this was actually a very fun exercise for me to go back and look at the art I like and see oh, I probably was inspired by that so growing up I really liked uh, an illustrator for, a book illustrator for children called Chris Riddle and I have definitely drawn some inspiration from him and then um, the, the art artist and movie director Tim Burton, which I was a big fan of, especially when I was younger. And then I also like to look at concept art for video games and just looking at art online. You could do that for hours, just a brilliant never-ending museum. Yeah, I could spend hours and just scrolling. (laughs) But I also love classical art, like the the American portrait artist John Singer Sargent. I think he's from the 1890s, perhaps. (laughs) something like that. Um, I, I really like his use of colors and how he's able to make a painting feel so alive with very easy strokes. So the brush set I use when I draw is actually inspired by him. It's it's uh, I downloaded it from a website and it's called the Sergeant Brush Set. Um, and then I also love the American artist, uh, Lion Decker. I remember finding his art and thinking, oh, this is this is brilliant. I'm going to steal this. Um, it's not very, um, you can't really tell if you look at my art, but just uh, the way he applied brush strokes and use color to show shapes and dimensions Um, and that really inspired me to make my sketches simpler instead use color to create shapes um, which really helped me. And then there's a Danish artist called Jens Ferdinand Willemsen just switch over to Danish uh, from the 30s and I remember seeing one of his exhibitions and getting a totally new outlook on how I could draw Um, and a part of that was using art colors and skin and just having a very free approach to art. So which actually after seeing that exhibition I went home and started using different colors for skin. And I only remembered that when uh, I had to look back for this interview. Well, I'm I'm glad you did. It's very interesting.
0: I see you have some great portraits on DeviantArt that are not snate. I was wondering,
3: are they in an impressionistic style, would you say? I hardly look at them anymore. I'm not sure I would say it's a particular style. I was just trying and I think failing at developing a realistic style I felt comfortable in. But now that you mention it, I can definitely see that I've been inspired by Impressionism. And I probably still am. It's definitely an art movement I gravitate towards. Because I I liked how they work with the the visible brush strokes and their interesting color choices. So yeah, I'm, I'm probably inspired by that without really knowing it. Where can people find your art? As we mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned it in the beginning. I, I use, uh, I can't remember my name. on Yo, uh, Dimitrovich, <laughs> sorry. Um, you can find me on my Tumblr, my obscure imaginarium, where I rarely post. Uh, I infrequently post pictures, but I try to get better at posting more frequently. And then uh, event art, but I'm, I'm called Dimitrix.
0: Yeah, it's worth going to um, both of those. We will have links
3: up on the uh, website, show notes, due to commissions, or, or so on. I do not do commissions or sell anything. I have thought about prints but it still feels a bit silly that someone would buy something I'm buying. I think I need to improve a bit before being comfortable with offering prints. I I fear I would be way too anxious and stressed if I have to deliver a commission and like with art school I'm afraid I would stop enjoying it. But I have opened for a request which I have a lot of fun with and I have created a uh, coffee? coffee so people can donate if they want to. It's just fun to get inspiration from other people who enjoy the character. The feeling of giving giving a small gift to someone. It's very nice because it's essentially a small gift based on someone's dream or headcanon about the character. So that's a nice feeling. Yeah, you did one for me, a coffee drinking Snape. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that one. Yes, a
0: really unique approach of him adding a potion to his coffee. (laughs) Yeah, just
3: to keep awake. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) A poison, whatever you want to interpret it as.
0: Let's move on to uh, your works. Again, these, if you go to the show notes, these will all be there as well as links to Tumblr and DeviantArt. Snapechat.podbean.com. I love this first, I love all, all of them, but this is one of my favorites. It's called Legilimency. It's a wonderful dark bust of Snape against a moody background. It's done in shades of blue and gray with touches of purple and green. The most striking thing though is
3: those piercing eyes. First off, uh, this was also a very good exercise. So thank you for that. Um, And I think actually everybody who's listening should try to do this. Just go back to art or stories, whatever you've created, and admit that you still like it. Because I thought I genuinely disliked everything I had created. But after revisiting it, I realized that I'm actually quite fond of a few other pieces. And some of them are still technically good. So this was a very nice exercise. I really enjoyed it. But this uh, L'Odilium in C, I think this was the first drawing where I actually was very happy happy and proud of the result and I still like it a lot even though there are a few things I'd like to fix. And at the time I was exploring how I see him. So he's a little less cartoony than my current style but it's still pretty close to how I draw him now. And uh, this is the first drawing where I incorporated the odd colors and the thing we talked about earlier. So this was how I saw things in my head. Things I wanted to create. But until then I hadn't had the skills to properly translate it into a picture. So this was a bit of a eureka moment for me because the colors actually worked the face worked i was able to draw the man i had pictured in my head when reading the books and it was just amazing oh that's wonderful
0: okay the next one is called teaching the dunderheads the show's snake gesturing to the blackboard where he has magically written instructions for
3: the draft of living death it evokes the feel of potions class in the cold damp dungeons and that's just uh, the potion master at work teaching a class I, I like the picture because I used the green and purple skin and he still looks rather elegant because I felt like he, he was very elegant when he was teaching class. He was very dignified. And just that the text on the blackboard is based on a font I downloaded called The half Dot Prince, which mimics the handwriting from the movie. So if uh, any fans want to uh, write with his handwriting, just go download it. It's cool. But I really love this drawing because I reblogged it uh, while with a remark about Severus adapting to COVID school closure. And people actually responded to it with art and small stories. So that really gave me a sense of community. And it made me so happy just to see that people came together to talk about and have fun with this joke about Snape teaching via Zoom or whatever. Just people taking their time to draw something and write something in a community. Just a nice feeling. Yeah, there's there's so much talent in
0: this snape dome. Mm, it really is. Oh, the next one is potion enthusiast, where Snape is portrayed in shades of pink and yellow, wearing a very steampunk pair of goggles. They're multi-lensed, and he's
3: got a great crooked grin, and he looks kind of happy. <laughs> yeah, pure academic greed. So so the many roles I talked about earlier, so the mad scientist part of his character is just a lot of fun. I haven't found many fan fictions exploring that, but please write more. I love it. But I just really wanted to draw him happy because I had always drawn like sad pictures of him. though him with a big lopsided, goofy smile, a smile he hides from most people. Like you said, happy. I guess it could be both interpreted as a happy smile, but also an unsettling one. So like an evil, mad scientist. <laughs> yes. And then the drawing itself was also just a lot of fun because of the, the goggles and funky colors. Yeah, you do have a good choice of colors in this. <laughs> Thank you. The next
0: one, a plant kept in the dark. Here we see adolescent Snape sitting with his knees up to his chest. His pants are too short, possibly his mom's blouse sticking out of his too small jacket. His dark eyes are shining out from his greasy face with a look of resentment and maybe a little fear.
3: Mm. Yeah, so there's a big gap from the last one because I I started using the different brushes to to mimic oil paintings, so it's a different technique. It looks like canvas in the the background, which is really, it's such a great touch. (laughs) Thank you. I wanted to to look like a a real painting and then uh, bricks behind him because he's leaning against that brick wall. And the plant kept in the dark is he's described as looking like a plant kept in the dark in uh, The Prince's Tale. And that was one of my favorite descriptions of him because it was just so visual. You could see like a little green kid uh, standing in the shadows. And yeah, just his mom's blouse and pants too short and just being extremely dissatisfied with life, which is so tragic at such a young age.
0: This one is the vindictive bat of the dungeon. This has snake writing papers resplendent against a deep maroon backdrop. His eyes are
3: luminous, as is the bottle of red ink in front of him. So this was a rather quick process. I just wanted to create some a somewhat flattering portrait where he looked like an intimidating and elegant professor. So I uh, added the description of him always making sure to use his most threatening smirk and vindicting bed of the dungeon persona when inviting an inadequate student to his office. So I just wanted to show his persona because I feel like when I read it that it was a rehearsed, very effective persona he put on to, to scare students or get his way or be feared or be
0: it's so effective, too. Even just a little dab of red ink on his quill, it
3: almost looks like blood, mm. which makes it feel more threatening. Yeah, exactly. I just imagine him keeping eye contact with the student while making a big T on the report and feeling very smart while doing it.
0: We have Belonging at a Great Price. This one shows a young Snape in front of a faceless crowd clutching his left forearm on which a fresh dark mark is partially visible. His luminous eyes and tight smile are particularly unsettling.
3: I had so much fun with this one because it was so quick and freeing. As you can see that it's somewhat different from what I usually do, especially the face. But I just wanted to show a, a young Severus relationship with the Arts, Him being tempted by the riches and powers promised to him, with all his Death Eater buddies standing behind him, finally feeling like he's supported by others. And I also like to imagine him still finding those prospects tempting during the Second War, especially during long order meetings where most people dislike him. So that the arts Art has a way of ensnaring people. And then the final one Severus seeking solace. And here we see a younger Severus
0: laying in bed with tears in his eyes, clutching his Hogwarts letter. On the shelf above him are his prized possessions, including a family photo, his mom's old magic books, and an owl from Lily.
3: I also finished this one somewhat quickly because he was just so cute I couldn't ignore him. So first of all I made a background. A background that isn't just a bunch of colors randomly placed next to each other. So that's a big part of why I like this one. And I added that because it felt important to show how he was uh, like cooped up in his little room dreaming of something bigger and showing him being a little magpie collecting and treasuring almost worthless trinkets. And I also wanted all the things to tell something about him. So there's a gobstone from his his mother just to show his mother's relationship with magic as few things she gave to him and then the the mark on um that's a manchester city football club mark um which i guess is from his father so they maybe attended the match together just some fun muggle stuff and then uh, the tin soldier to uh, uh, mimic the soldiers harry had in his cupboard because i felt like their situation was somewhat similar oh that's such a nice touch it was like Harry playing with the little soldiers. I thought he Severus should do the same. Um, and I I really wanted to create, and I want to create more pieces like this one because I feel like it's the first full scene I have created, that it, it has a narrative and you could write a story about it. Or I could write a story about it. So uh, I want to keep making backgrounds like this and cute little Severuses. If you look
0: closely, he's got, tears in his eyes. They're almost leaking out.
3: One of the things I didn't mention, but I love the way you do eyes. Thank you. One of my favorite parts to draw. Yeah, I, I was I don't know if you try, but when you're in a very bad mood and you just curl up uh, in bed. Yes. And just um, look at your phone or look at something that makes you happy. Look at a funny video of a cat or read a fan fiction or something and you just feel better. Just Severus feeling better by looking at his Hogwarts letter.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's very poignant. Good. That pretty much wraps everything up. We are again going to post links and pictures on our website at snapechat.podbean.com. Please go and take a look at these wonderful pictures. Thank you. Yes, thank you for talking with us. there you have another episode of Snape Chat. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to thank Nix and Mikes for joining us, and DD Music for the music. Follow the links to Nix's art and Mikes podcast, Care of Magical Shippers. There are also links to reading recs on our email if you have any comments. Please, be kind. Until next time, stay snapey.